is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another Coast to Coast podcast. We are talking today some more NBA draft. Uh, it seems like you guys loved the last episode where we did a top three breakdown, Scoot, Victor Webinyama, and Brandon Miller today. We were talking about maybe the most interesting prospects, Griffin, I think maybe we've seen since we started like watching the NBA. I don't know if we've ever seen anyone this kind of physically talented and coming from just a very unorthodox kind of style of basketball. And without further ado, this is the Thompson Twins uh, preview from OTE, Overtime Elites League. Uh, let's just jump straight into this. Griffin, what are your first, like, thoughts when you think of these Thompson Twins? I mean, obviously it's their athleticism to me, but, you know, also just the the unknown factor with them as well, just because of, you know, how good is the competition that they're actually playing? Like OTE, an unknown league. I think this is their second second year ever existing. And just to have them, these high-profile guys who are pretty much guaranteed at this point to be lottery picks, uh, come from such such an unorthodox place, I think is kind of the most interesting aspect of them to me. But again, like on the court, definitely their athleticism. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's kind of hard to judge. I mean, we've been kind of going back and forth uh, this past week, like leading up to this episode, uh, just kind of thinking what we thought of these guys. And uh, it's really hard to determine, like you said, this level of competition, what does it mean? Because mm -hmm. it feels like ever since I heard their names coming into uh, the this NBA season, it was like, oh, like these guys are the truth. And it seems like... It's kind of putting on a show. It's, everything's a man and Asar Thompson. They were drafted to the same team. Uh, like they're the only people that people know that's in the overtime elite. I know they signed like some decent like four stars. I think maybe they even got some five stars in there as well. But like those are the two ones that everyone knows about: Amen and Asar Thompson. And uh, I think we got to start off with the first guy in the list. I think a man who's consensusly viewed as the better project a pro prospect. Because uh, this guy is just freakishly athletic, and uh, Griffin, I'll take it. Let you take it away. It was your first glimpses, what you see with a men specifically. Yeah, obviously, big guard. These guys are six seven. They can get in the lane very easily. Um, and again, just like what jumps out at you, at you is their athleticism. Um, but what, like, as I've watched more and more and done a little more and more research, like the consensus that I came to at least, uh, and that I shared with Liam before. Uh, we hopped on the pod today is that I've just like kind of become less and less and less excited for them. And not just because, you know, it's because of a multitude of factors, I think. And the biggest to me is just their shooting. Like their outside shooting numbers are just, I think, very problematic. It's not like their form is terrible, but just the numbers both from the free throw line and from beyond the arc are concerning. And then on top of that, the level of competition, like it seems like maybe – High school level competition is kind of what I've gauged. It seems to be worse than any overseas league or any college team or any, you know, anything in the G League by far. So it's just kind of concerning to me. It, it, but like definitely a boomer bust prospect, both these guys. Like if they hit, if they can develop uh, at least a average jump shot where the other team is going to have to guard them consistently, then I think these guys have all star potential. But if it doesn't, we're in like, a modern day, like current Ben Simmons situation on the nets where they're just unplayable in certain lineups. Yeah, no, definitely can see that. I mean, honestly, like a lot quicker, like uh, men's got like the high, the best, like first step in this class in terms of mm -hmm. like, in the lane. But uh, 
Yeah, a little bit concerned because I was reading a lot of articles just trying to see like what people were thinking, what, what was similar. And the main thing I came down to is like, they're really hard prospects when it comes to what fit they should fit on a team because people may think, oh, Houston's a good place, but you're playing with guys like Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green who are ball-dominant guards. You can't play a men Thompson as a non uh, like a non-ball handler. Like he needs to be the guy with the ball in his hands. He doesn't excel off ball. If you watch any of his highlights, the only time he's excelling off ball is when he's running in transition. I mean, like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts with that? Because I mean, what team can you even really go to that would fit? I thought like the only one of those that could maybe work, like with like someone who already has a team that already has an established guard would maybe be Charlotte, just because I've seen some things with Lamelo where he could go off the ball a little more than the other two um, that you've mentioned. But like, other than that, I think like that he, these two would have to go to a team where there isn't uh, a point guard already enshrined um, and just have like a bunch of shooters around them. Like kind of what, even like what, like an ideal Westbrook situation would look like, or, um, or like, uh, or like what an ideal Ben Simmons situation would look like. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, exactly. I mean, I think uh, it would be interesting to see because they have some good guard play, but I think Orlando would be a good fit. Besides, you would have to have Franz Wagner change the way he plays a little bit, but to be able to have that much size and positional versatility in their lineup would just be insane. I mean, you assume that Jalen Suggs is going to continue to grow on the defensive end and offensively as he struggles there. But you'd have like six seven uh, men, six five Jalen Suggs, like six ten Franz, six ten Paolo, and then a you know Wendell Carter Jr. out there. Like that would be a freakishly good defense. Yeah. But um, and you know I think that's a team that could use some playmaking. I think you know you don't want to have Franz be that number one ball handler all the time. But um, I mean, what's your thought with that? Or is there another team that maybe comes to mind? As I well? definitely like Orlando uh, for them because, like, again, I think the length uh, of Amen and Asir are, like, one of the best aspects of their overall player. Um, and, yeah, Toronto – or, or you, you mentioned Toronto on the dock. I think that would be another great spot, landing spot for either of these guys just because of the switchability – in the modern day NBA, that's so key on defense. Um, and both these guys can do it both, even though the competition that they're facing is not great. I think the ability they've shown the want, uh, to defend at a high level and these guys can get out and transition and run. I agree with you also on Orlando, like definitely they got shooters around them with Paulo and Franz. Uh, like, I think that would be uh, certainly an ideal spot for them. Yeah, and then, I mean, we kind of went away. We did the first – our first three prospects were kind of our first our one through three. And then in terms of ranking, I mean, like, where's – like, what's a men's ceiling in this class for you? And, like, what's his floor? Because I think, uh, like – In terms of being drafted, his draft yeah. ceiling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think four is probably the highest. Maybe – I think maybe even three if someone really, really falls in love with him. Um, and four, I think – like after watching them, like I can maybe see like around like nine. Like I still think they're both lottery guys, but I would like move them down. Like Asir, I think his peak is probably like five, and his floor is like fourteen. Um, yeah, 
No, I can see that. I mean, I, I see a lot of. Mo- I mean, before the season started, like they're saying, a, a, a Sar is going to go five to the Kings. I mean, obviously, that's not going to happen at this point. No, I saw no up to recently. I just looked at the ESPN mock draft, and it was like March. It was a. It was it was sometime in March. It was sometime this month, and it was four or five. They both had them going, and I I just I don't see that anymore. Like the way the season has evolved, the question marks that have arisen with them in regard, do, like I in the modern NBA, I don't know how you could draft someone that high with this questionable of their both them shooting wise. Like I just don't see it. No, oh, yeah, one hundred percent see it. I just want to check something real quick because, I mean, obviously we have the tournament, you know, is kind of going on right now in the swing of things. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot – hold up. The Big East. I want to see how our – see how our boy Cam Whitmore did. Okay. Now he, like did, I, he had a very bad performance against Parade, and that is not good to see. Yeah. But, like, I mean, even guys like Keontae George, I mean, I'm getting a lot of looks like Grady Dick. But, like, mm-hmm. there's no – obviously we know there's no denying their athleticism. And I think these are guys that are going to be putting up. I mean, I don't know how tuned in you are with the NFL, but, like, they're like Anthony Richardson's to me. Like, guys that mm-hmm. just, like, the game tape isn't crazy to you, but, like, they're going to test out crazy at the combine. Like, they're oh, going to have totally. extremely high verts and everything like that. They're freakish athletes by far. It's just, like, mm-hmm. th- maybe the more skilled aspects of the game that kind of concern me. Like, I don't doubt their playmaking at all. It's really just their shooting that is, like, the biggest concern to me. Like, I, I love their defense. I love their, like, intangibles. But just their shooting numbers have not been great. And it seems like in when I was doing my deep dive on them, like, they've changed their shooting form throughout the season. And, like, still the numbers haven't gone extremely up in any crazy regard. Like, it seems like they just had the OTE, like, playoffs or whatever. And it seems like the numbers were better there. But that's just such a small sample size. And, again, like – how much stock can we put into the OTE numbers? You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's what that's what it really breaks down to. I mean, we did see moving over a little bit to Asar, like he had a really hot streak in these OTE finals. I mean, he believe he won the finals MVP. Yeah, like, he did. Looking at like his best games from that stretch, like he, he shot five of ten from three and then four of nine from three in two of the games there, which is great mm-hmm. to see. But at the end of the day, it's not consistent. You know, at least with him, like He's showing a lot better signs than a, a men. But, like, at the end of the day, like, what, like, I've been hearing from guys, you know, like Kevin O'Connor is, like, if he doesn't have, like, people that don't have great touch in the free throw line typically don't pan out to be very good shooters. Yeah. Know? Like, rare cases, like, Lonzo Ball has been able to have, like, a weird transition, like, wasn't really great from the free throw line in college. And they kind of, you know, he's not one of the best shooters, but I mean. But it seemed like with Lonzo, especially like when he went to the Pelicans, like the Pelicans shooting coach actually like helped them an extreme amount. Like maybe these guys, if they went to the Pelicans, they could get the same shooting coach and like start to figure out their jumper a little bit. But like, yeah, I agree. As of now, like these guys are just like a huge liability from beyond the arc and at the free throw line. And especially with the way they drive into the paint, they're going to be getting fouls and stuff. If they can't execute at the line, like these are just big missed opportunities. So, yeah. yeah. And I know it's honestly like early on, like, you know, we don't know where these guys could really end up, but like, what are you expecting like from a man and a star in their rookie seasons? Like again, like there are two versions of this one where it like works out. Right. And then one where it like really doesn't and their liabilities on the court. Like, I don't like, it's definitely going to like depend on fit 
I think a lot more with these guys than it would be with the top three, like with Brandon Miller or Scoot or Wemby, right? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like those guys, no matter what, they can thrive in any scenario. I think these guys need to be cultivated and like maybe have more systems built around them than the other guys would uh, just because of the holes in their game. So it's it's really just hard to say right now. Like maybe, I don't know, like maybe I, I would say like 12 and 12, 5 and 5 maybe. I don't know, like on the, on the good end. That, yeah. That's just where my mind goes to, but. Yeah, I think my ideal situation is they don't start much at all their rookie season. Like, mm-hmm. let's just, like, make it simple. Say they play 82 games. Like, like, don't start more than 20 and just, you know, really let them develop against second units. I think that could be extremely Yeah, no, I, I, I could definitely see these guys spending a lot of time in the G League next year because um, yeah. I think they need it. Um, but it's, like, not a bad thing because I think if they get that shooting down, like, these guys have – they're, the sky's the limit for as far as how, how far they can go just because of how freakish they are as athletes and how much how much versatility they can provide. What do you think they could, like, really turn out to – like, are you seeing, like, kind of Ben Simmons-esque, like skinny Ben Simmons? Like, is that really what you see? Yeah, I think – I you know you know me. I love big guards, but I love big guards that can shoot. And, like, I think, like, we could maybe see some, like – even like high end, like Shea almost like this year where like big guard, who's not great beyond the arc, but like can still like, you need to guard him when he's out there. Right. And like, can do what he does in the, in the paint. Like, I think like a Shea maybe high end, like if they hit their potential, like, I think that's kind of what you could see. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, you can't expect these guys to be shooting in volume. Like, no, like even like throughout their career, I think, like, they really shouldn't be shooting more than three a game. And, I mean, that like, you don't really – if you have other skills that you can use, like, you don't need to be shooting more than three-point three, three point attempts a game if you can – Totally. Like, I mean, honestly, like, people look to Ben Simmons, but, like, it's a confidence thing with Ben. Like, you know, like, he mm-hmm. doesn't have the rim. Like, he's just, like, a whole different person. Like, he needs to see a sports psychologist. I mean, he probably is, but, like, spend a lot of time, like, with a psychologist because it seems like it's a lot of things been messing up with his game. Yeah. And, no, with, like, the, the Thompson twins, like, totally, like, it's not a psychology thing with them. Like, they are willing and able to take those shots, but it's just to see them go in. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm definitely, like, more, like, confident with a SARS jump shot, like, at least early on. I mean, I think if we see, like, even, like, a 32, like, 33% off, like, three attempts a game, like, I think that's fine. Like, I think people would be content with that. But I feel like... You know, a men's going to be more of the highlights guy that's like, you know, like he's shooting 21% from three, you know, kind of like a jaw second season thing where people are like, this guy didn't even know how to like be a lead guard. Like this dude can't shoot like for shit, you know? Yeah. It's just interesting that on men is the general consensus is like number one guy out of these two, because like I've seen the most shooting improvement from Asar and like, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's interesting to me. Like. I don't know, just with how important shooting is. And alongside, like, the point you are making about Ben Simmons earlier, I think, like, if these guys can develop a jump shot to where they – you just can't leave them open. like Or, like, you can you, – you have to guard them constantly. Like, the, like, maybe they're shooting league average, but, like, that would be ideal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, like, going back to it is, like, the last thing you want is them to be useless as an off-ball player. 
Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, like, they're big enough to where you can use them in a screen and roll situation. But, like, if you got a guy like LaMelo and he's just, you know, like, in an ISO, like, running a pick and roll with Mark Williams, like, what is, you know, a men or a star doing for you in that situation? Yeah, totally. So, because you don't, the last thing you want is a Matisse Thibel situation where he's so bad offensively, like, even that elite level defense can't, like, give him the ability to be a starting caliber player, you know? Yeah, you, you, they need to find their niche, like, definitely. Like, I don't know, like, worst case scenario, these guys are just so unplayable in the half court on offense, like, you can't even play them. Like, I could see that happening. But I could also see them, like, developing, like, an average jump shot and really contributing. So it's really – these guys, I think, are the biggest boomer bust guys in the draft. Yeah, I mean, then when it comes down to it, like, you can argue that they're – like, in terms of top five potential, it's probably them two and then those are top three in that list. Like, yeah. That's what it comes down to. But in terms of, you know, and these are guys that I don't know if you necessarily – like, if you're looking for a best, like, player available situation, I think that these are guys you look at. But if it's you're really trying to fill a need, because, like, sure, best player available, like, people say that's the way to go. But sometimes, like, you don't want to draft that when, like, these guys, like, aren't going to fit your system and you're going to waste a pick on them. Yeah, or, like, if you're, like, a team like the Pelicans, you don't draft this, these guys at all. Like, you're you're eventually trying to compete for a championship, and you kind of just had a bad year and bad injury left the whole year. Like, you're not going to draft any of these guys. Like, you need someone who's going to fit your team. So I think this team or these guys are going to need to be drafted by a team where the GM has the luxury of not being, like, in danger of being, like, fired next year, where these guys, you can see them develop over years. Like, these guys are definitely a project, right? Like, you can't expect too much out of them their rookie year. Yeah, that's why I think Utah would be a perfect situation probably for a You know, he's going to fall down like that because you have a core with – you have an elite uh, perimeter defender and you have an elite post defender with Walker Kessler. I think that'd be a great, you know, and then you have Markinen who sure he can do a little bit of handling of the ball, but you know, he's going to excel when he's a guy that's, you know, getting drived and dished to for three. Mm-hmm, I totally. I think that's, that's where they should both want to go. And mm-hmm. last thing we need is them on the same team. If something happens. Oh, you know? that'd be, that'd be terrible. If Orlando like ends up getting the Chicago pick as well, you know, it's not like, doesn't land in the top four. Like we do not need to see them on the same team. This no, no. Nothing, nothing wrong with them, but like I need to be able to see them separately. Yeah, it'll confuse the media, and also like that would not be good for the development of their game because uh, like you have one off ball, like that would just like exacerbate like mm-hmm. the issues that we've been talking about with them on the same team. Like I don't think them being on the same team has helped their development. You know what I'm saying? Like on yeah. OTE, like I think it would be better if they were on different teams. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, like who knows? You know, we'll, yeah. we'll see. We're rooting for these guys. It's just I think they have a lot of uh, like a big obvious hole that needs to be rectified if they want to be consistent and possibly reach their potential and be all stars. Yeah, I'd say they're probably the most like fit desired desired players out there. If it doesn't work for them, like it's going to be a rocky road. You know, you don't want a Wiseman situation where yeah gets traded because he just couldn't work with them. Lastly, I just want to touch on, like, who's better at what? Just trying to clarify, like, this is what I gathered. I mean, a men's clearly the better athlete. Like, if you watch any of his tape, this guy's insane in the, you know, transition game. This is where both these guys are going to excel, by the way, because I'm not really too confident in their half-court game. 
especially against real NBA defense. Uh, Handle, uh, Amen's got to be there. Asar with the shooting. Uh, Asar on defense as well uh, tends to be a little bit better at getting stops. And mm-hmm. uh, playmaking, give the edge to Amen, and then potential. It's just got to be to Amen for the fact that he's a more he's a athlete. But at the same time, like, they both have high potential in each of their ways. You know, if – you know, because Asar has, you know, that edge shooting-wise. Because if he can have the better, sh- like, shooting, that might make him more valuable. So, mm-hmm. totally. So, there's a reason why a men's higher ranked is because of just how freak of an athlete he is. And, uh, mm-hmm. like, some of the guys that I threw out there, like Hamadou Diallo, uh, Shaden Sharp, Terrence Mann, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, OG Ananobi, all kind of, like, big wings uh, that are athletic is kind of what came up with it. And, of course – rocking the Michael Carter Williams jersey because we love ourselves some big guards out here. So can't go wrong. Quadruple trouble being dropped in the first game. Hey, who knows? Against Man. LeBron, it would, it would mm-hmm. just be a critical moment. But uh, anything else you want to mention on these twins before we call it? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Like definitely, I just the if you're listening to this, the one consensus like thing to take away from this, and I think that both of us kind of share this opinion, is that like these are definitely the boomer bust guys in the draft. Like If these guys hit, they'll really hit, but if they don't, like I could see them being out of the league in like a couple of years. Yeah, 100%. So uh, we'll be back with you guys uh, in about a week's time. We're going to gather some opinions from March Madness uh, probably around towards the Sweet 16. We'll start seeing some more uh, content coming out, but appreciate you guys. As always, this Coast Coast, Coast Podcast. Sign it out. Peace.